Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the I, it's my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto and we are the co-founders of All 22. Uh, guys, you know me, you've known me for a long time. I'm the kind of guy that lights a match, throws it in the room and then leaves. So guys, Dallas Giants, how did, you know, what, what are we, what are we thinking? And I'm going to mute myself. Go ahead. I think we both have gray hairs after that, <laughs> watching that game. It was one of the sloppiest football games I've seen, and I've seen a lot of sloppy football games, especially from my team. Um, but, Ray, you go. I talk Giants way too much on this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what you would expect. It was Cooper Rush versus Daniel Jones. And that's you got Cooper Rush versus Daniel Jones. What you probably didn't sign up for was C.D. Lamb just dropping a, a ball that hit him, like, basically in the face uh, for a chunk play. He makes up for it somewhat. With a, with a great catch in the end zone. But, yeah, overall, just, um, you know, rookies looking like rookies. Evan Neal definitely looked like a rookie. Fine. Don't freak out about long-term potential or anything like that. I say that as someone who drafted him in the rookie, uh, in my rookie All-22 draft this this past summer. But, um, yeah, it, it basically showed, hey, don't forget the Giants roster was basically just deconstructed and never put back together for the last, like, five years. And so there's still tons of holes and the Cowboys were a team that was playing with a with a backup quarterback and pretty undisciplined, which has been their MO for years now. And that's what she got, which in its own way was pretty entertaining because when, when you watch the Manning cast and Eli is watching the Giants lose, it is an experience. It's a pretty wild and fun experience. But if there was uh, if there yeah. was one takeaway from the game, one positive from the game for the Giants. It's that like Eli loves the Giants. Like yeah. he's not a guy that plays for the team fan. and like doesn't care. Like mm-hmm. he was emotional. Like watching that, he was stressed. You could see like you you could just see his frustration. The the only thing worse than watching a Giants Cowboys game like that, and I've seen plenty, is having to listen to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about the game. In addition, mm-hmm. how many how many texts I got last night from other Giants fans saying how much Joe Buck and Troy Aikman suck? Why aren't you watching Eli Manning? Right? Like, it's like watching with another Giants fan. Like, it's, it's great. But, Ray, you mentioned, you mentioned Daniel Jones, Cooper Rush, and you kind of said it like you were, like, blaming Daniel Jones a little bit. I just, wanna, I just want you to know something, okay? Pass blocking Here grades from his offensive line from left to right, okay? 77.7. Not bad. Andrew Thomas, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Ben Bredson, 23.3. That's out of 100. For anybody that, that <laughs> plays this game and knows PFF, they know that. But just a reminder, that's out of 100. John Feliciano, 57.7. Uh, Mark Lewinsky, 34.2. Again, out of 100. <laughs> Evan Neal, 27.3. Again, out of 100. <laughs> awful. Awful. Yeah. Awful. But when Micah Parsons is rushing off of your right side, you basically have to grade out a curve. So it's like their grade should be like out of 50, you know, because – He's just going to like yeah. knock their pass, pass it would still be pretty bad. in half. Yeah. To, to your point somewhat, like there was times where it's like you see Daniel Jones completely oblivious. It's like, dude, how do you not see that? It's happened every play. Mm-hmm. Getting a little work. But out. he didn't fumble. He didn't fumble, right? So like yeah, he held amazing. on to the ball when he did keep getting hit. So it's it's improvement. It's progress, which I think is the name of the game for the Giants anyway, right? It's just improvement and progress. I don't think anyone has delusions of trying to watch them in the middle of January play for something important just just being I, honest i think I just you know there's still some time you, for that <laughs> i but. just hate losing to the cowboys man i'm so <laughs> tired of it if you told me i'd be two and one at this point I'd, I'd i'd sign that paper in august you know what i mean like that's that's great well above where where i expected to be but i want one of those wins against you guys especially with a backup quarterback it's just now, yeah but see that now you're asking too much you're yeah no i am much. i am you're right 
right. and you know I love to tease you guys, and I had to light that match. But um, you sure did, Bobby. You, you you said it. Like, if we put a to- a poll on our Twitter page, do you like Joe Buck? Are there people that will answer yes? No. I don't think I've ever met somebody that likes Joe Buck, and I don't know how he isn't he in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, because of his dad. But like he, so <laughs> his Twitter page. I don't know if he still has it. He goes, his bio said, "My, I love every team except for yours." Like he knows that he's like this villain, and everybody hates mm-hmm. him, and he just plays into it. God, I can't stand him. How he has a job blows my mind. There's two smug jerks. Can't stand either. I respect it. He hates your <laughs> team. What, what can I say? I actually got Troy Aikman's <laughs> autograph, little like fun story, and I was like eight years old, and uh, nicest guy. Shook my hand, and like his finger went up to like my elbow at the time because he has huge hands. But couldn't have been a nicer guy. He just sucks at broadcasting and hates the Giants. Yeah. And speaking of broadcasting, real quick before we move on, I think the Manny cast is better without guests. Just let the two of them just yeah. talk about what's going on for three hours, and it's perfect television. Every once in a while, you want to bring like Snoop Dogg on, Marshawn Lynch, drop a couple f bombs. Great, fine, but too many. It's too much. It's better when it's just those two. The the Tracy Morgan one was weird to me. Like I don't know if he was like. Smoking something, drinking something. I don't know, but like he got he hit by a Walmart out. truck, Chris. Give him a break. <laughs> no, come on. He's he's good from that, I think. But like he just seemed a little out of it, is all. Yeah, he was talking about like Ferraris and stuff like that, and like I was like, yeah, yeah, Eli game. would ask him a question. And, yeah, Eli would ask him a question about football, and he'd be talking about something else, and it was just kind of like awkward. Yeah, I could tell they were both getting a little frustrated with it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I agree. They either do them less or do them shorter but like not for an entire quarter and not three or four of them. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. But while, uh, you know, while we're jumping into this, uh, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't talked about like done a mailbag, answered questions, and we have received some questions. So wanted us to have an opportunity to talk about some of those. Um, so one of the, one, you know, I'm just going to jump right in and I'll ask you guys a question and, you know, you guys can help me answer. So somebody said it's Monday morning and AutoSub didn't replace some of my players who didn't play. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Go ahead, Ray. You take that one. Yeah. So uh, just real quick, just when that happens, don't fret. The the final auto subs run on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So uh, some may run before that if, if everyone involved has for that position has all their grades and snaps finalized before then. Um, but if not, and you see a player who played on, on Sunday or maybe the Monday night game and, and they didn't meet the snap count minimum and their backup has not yet come into play, uh, fret not, it always runs at 2 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday for the final time where uh, everything is taken into account and any auto subs that have yet to take place will take place at that point in time, provided that your backups uh, did hit the snap count minimum if your starter did not. So um, don't freak out if it's before Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Right, and just to add to that, Ray, it's usually when a player has zero snaps that that happens. So our system is thinking that this guy just didn't play his game yet. So just to give you some background as to why that happens. So, um, yeah, like Ray said, Tuesday that becomes finalized, and you'll see those guys bump up into your, your starting roster. Cool. And the next one, a little bit of a, like a controversial question, but somebody asked, how does IR work? Bob, you made Ray answer the last one, so I'm going to yeah, you. I'm happy to take this one, and it's uh-huh. it's 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 one that uh, had some internal debate on for sure, mm-hmm. um, which is why Chris has that smug look on his face. <laughs> um, so, as players gain and lose the IR designation in real life, they are elevated and is it de-escalated to IR, but they're added to IR or yeah. elevated to your starting uh, starting depth chart or roster. Um, so, just like in real life. We just basically what we want to do was avoid having people stash IR players um, in their IR slot and off of their active roster. So just kind of a way to avoid that sort of cheat and loophole in the game. Yeah. So like you might have a player on your, on your roster, like I think one this week that uh, one user brought up was uh, Richard, Richard Lawrence, right? He's going to be out this week, maybe a couple weeks with, with an injury, I think to his hand. And but if, if the Cardinals don't put him on IR and he's just out and he's missing the next couple of games, well, just like for the for the Cardinals, same thing for your roster. He's not going to be put on IR. He's going to be out but still be a part of your active roster. So 
our injured reserve and, and active roster uh, makeup mirrors the actual NFL. So just think of it that way. And it's, and it, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Yeah, and it's been it's been running smoothly. Yeah, I think after week one we saw a couple issues, but since then it's been really great. So if you are still having issues, please reach out to us, and we're happy to address it with you. Twenty fifty three roster spots seems like a lot until stuff like this starts to happen, and you wish you had more. So it forces you yeah. to make some really tough decisions. When you're looking at your guard position, and you're like, do I really go into this game with three guards, or I need you know like. I only have three linebackers and I really wanted to use a four, three, but I don't think I can because I don't have enough linebacker depth. It's like those things really matter. Absolutely. Cool. So the next one, um, Ray, I'm going to ask you to take this. How does waiver priority work? Yeah. So when you go into put in a, a waiver claim or bid on a player, um, th- there is no formal sort of, you know, conditional that, Hey, if my first one goes through, then cancel all my other ones. There's nothing like that, right? It's it's a typical waiver setup where you'll bid on a player. Um, if you bid the most on that player, then you are awarded that player. And if you have to drop someone uh, in order to make room on your roster for that, you, you make that selection when, when you place your bid. Um, if two players or two users place the same amount of, of uh, their blind bid budget on a player, the user who placed the bid first will be awarded that player. Now, for priority, um, if, if, if you're someone who goes into the week, says, I need to pick up an offensive tackle, right? I have two that I'm targeting, but I don't want to pick up two offensive tackles, right? I, I just need one. Um, but, but you have 53 players on your roster, right? So the way to do that in that sense is you place a bid, on on one of those offensive tackles, right? You select your player to drop, and then you place another bid on the second offensive tackle with the same player to drop, and you will see on your on your screen what your waiver priority one is and priority two, and you can basically drag and drop to sort that to see which one is your top priority and uh, and your second priority, so that if your top priority goes through, your second uh, waiver bid will not because you already made the the first waiver pickup by dropping the player that is now no longer on your roster. So your second uh, waiver bid is inactive. So that's one way to sort of prioritize your waivers. If you're like, Hey, I need a tackle, but I'm not sure I'm going to get the one I want. That's how you sort of go about it um, to make that work. Otherwise it's, it's your typical standard sort of uh, blind bid waiver system that you may have been familiar with from other platforms. Perfect. And I just wanted, you know, I want our listeners to know that we are, you know, listening to your feedback where we want to answer your questions. So if you have them, please continue to ask them. You could do that by emailing info at all22.com, all-22.com. And, or you could reach out to us on social media where we'll answer you either way. And likely, you know, two, three podcasts down the road, we'll do another mailbag and we'll be sure to answer that uh, your questions kind of live on this podcast. Okay, for the second week in a row, we will be challenging an expert in our All-22 Versus series. Bobby, for those who didn't listen last week, can you explain to everyone just what exactly we're trying to do with this All-22 Versus series? Yeah, so basically what we're doing here is we're picking guys in the IDP community, the Devi community, some of the PFF guys, and throughout the season, we're going to pick some players to go head-to-head in an All-22 matchup with them. Um, now, the point of this is not to pick the no-brainer guys, the Patrick Mahomes, you know, the guys like that, the easy ones. Wanted to get some guys that were a little bit under the radar. This way, people listening can get some start-sit decisions, stuff like that. The rule of that was within the ADP, you can only pick guys that fell outside of the top five in all 22 ADP. Um, so we set that rule so that way we can – you know, pick some of those guys to highlight some of the lesser known guys in our platform. Sweet. Awesome. Love it. So with that, I would like to introduce our special guest of the day. It's the second All-22 versus Challenger, and that is Mr. Josh Raymer. Josh, amazing to have you here. So excited. Um, can you tell everybody just a little bit about who you are, you know, what you've been doing in the IDP space and um, how you found All-22? 
Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for the invite. All 22 has been a lot of fun thus far. Um, I am the host of the IDP show, along with my co-hosts, Adam Markham and Bobby Reynolds. We've been around for about three years doing the dang thing with the IDP community and putting out that podcast. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we are our boy, John Macri for PFF, who handed you guys a big fat L last week. <laughs> I know we're going to touch on that Asterisk. a little bit, I think. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you don't get auto sub on this versus series, Ray. We'll uh, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But John Macri is a friend of ours. He does a podcast in our feed. So he told us, hey, there's this new type of fantasy coming down the pipeline that you guys, I think, will want to try out. So when we heard and kind of saw the platform and what you guys were working on, uh, was really excited to give it a shot because – We've talked about it a lot on our show. It's something completely different. And getting to rewire your brain when it comes to fantasy football after about 20 years of playing myself, it was an exciting opportunity. So I don't know if uh, we can call me an expert yet on all 22, but I'm happy to be here and throw out some picks and we'll see how things go this week. Amazing. Thanks again so much for being here. And for those of you listening in, uh, you can find the full All-22 versus matchup on our social media pages. So at All-22 underscore PFF. And Josh, where can people find you at? I'm at Josh Raymer. That's R-A-Y-M-E-R. -E and then the show is at the IDP show on Twitter. Amazing. Bobby, you want to lead us off with the uh, the first question we got here? Yeah. So, Josh, we see that your offense is going into an 11 personnel. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, this is by far the most popular formation within our platform. A lot of people go for it. So I wanted to get some insight as to why you chose an 11 personnel going into this week. Yeah, I think for me, it was all about sort of finding ways that I could rationalize my picks. And for me, looking at those uh, wide receivers, I can understand um, finding teams that have poor pass defense grades. That's really going to be the theme of my picks. At first I thought, oh, let me just pick like the sixth ranked guy by ADP and just kind of cheat the system a little bit. Well, there's a little more nuance to it than that, right? So, um, and I think from playing in a lot of PPR leagues, my brain is kind of wired to naturally gravitate toward wide receivers. And we're living in a passing age in the NFL. So, as I'm thinking through uh, guys that I want to get into my lineup, it is these wide receivers. They are sort of this sexy position now. I mean, you think about the biggest stars in the NFL. It's the Justin Jeffersons, the A.J. Browns, the Devontae Adams. And so I think all of this sort of background was working subconsciously when I was putting my team together to gravitate towards getting more wide receivers in there. Yeah, that's a good answer. It's really easy to see their their production, right? I mean, like you pick two tight ends and there's, there's going to be that hidden production when, you know, those guys go into like the blocking sets and stuff like that. So really good answer. And I kind of assume that's where most guys are at when they go into an 11 personnel. Um, but yeah, with that, jumping into quarterback, you started off with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so now some people were concerned after week one that, you know, you know, he might not be, might, might be on the way to having such, not such a great year, right? Um, some people even said that he was dead to them, as dead as Aaron Rodgers' family is to him, which, as you noted, is pretty dead, right? That's pretty dead. That is indeed pretty dead. Um, I think that was John Macri that brought that up, that yes. uh, Aaron Rodgers was that dead to him, which is pretty bad. I think there's also maybe a little bit of bias working here from the fantasy football community where Aaron Rodgers has been a bust this year for regular fantasy football. But this is, again, rewiring the brain to think a little bit differently about our picks. So as I was going through, Aaron Rodgers going up against the Patriots and their 29th-ranked pass coverage or, uh, yeah, pass coverage uh, defense. I also considered Kyler versus the Panthers, but I don't know what to do with Kyler Murray. Do I trust him? I enjoy watching him when he's running around, kind of doing the dang thing, but I don't know. I don't know how that's going to translate week in and week out to PFF. I'd rather put my trust in the two-time MVP, who is also the seventh-best quarterback thus far on the season, according to PFF, with a 74.9 grade. So 
Do I like trusting the guy that's on the ayahuasca dating witches and all that? No, I don't necessarily like Aaron Rodgers, but I like him in my lineup for this week. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, two solid weeks he just had from a PFF perspective. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really good pick. And then with that, we'll jump into running back. Before, before we do, I just wanted to point out, so Ray and I had a conversation earlier today, and I want to get some outsider's perspective on this. So we were talking about how I think what people are going to learn as they play this game is the tiers in quarterback are much different than what you see in, in traditional fantasy football. And with that, right, it's a guy like Aaron Rodgers, Josh, for the exact reasons you said, why you're choosing a guy like him, right? Because there might only actually be two or three quarterbacks in the NFL that will be effective and be able to win no matter what, right? Like they are the offensive coordinators of their team in reality, right? Because we were talking about a guy like Russell Wilson and how in years past we thought he was in that tier. And now seeing him with a new head coach in a new offense, is he not in that tier, right? And are guys like Mahomes, um, even, right, we're seeing Tua and Hurts now, are they more products? You know, they're really good quarterbacks, but are they also products of the skill they have around them? Sorry for my rant, but I'm curious what other people think. Yeah, I think that when it comes to sort of the coach on the field, you know, I grew up, I'm a Colts fan, so we had Peyton Manning, the ultimate coach on the field, right? And so as I think about quarterbacks who are going to grade well, it's quarterbacks that aren't going to make mistakes, that are going to make the right decision every single time with the football. And for me, that's Tom Brady, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you could throw Mahomes in there as well, uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Like you said, we've got Tua and Jalen Hurts now seemingly leaping into that upper tier. But, yeah, Russell Wilson, I think he's trending down thus far on the season, signed that massive deal. But I don't know if anyone, Broncos fans or otherwise, are feeling good about his start in Denver. So, for me, there's very few guys that I feel good, like locked and loaded with, when it comes to this sort of scoring format, and that's a large part of the reason why I went with Rodgers is if I can – I don't know how – I don't know how he fell outside. I mean, I know Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, there's a lot of, like, really top-tier quarterback talent. But seeing the two-time MVP outside of the top five at his ADP, I was like, give me that all day, guys. Yeah, you he mentioned just, that you wouldn't pick the sixth guy everywhere, and I feel like you started by picking the sixth guy. <laughs> That's what made me think I might just go with the sixth guy for every position. Cool. So with that, you took Austin Eckler as your running back. Your receivers were T. Higgins, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Alan Lazard. Ray, did you have a question for him about Higgins? Yeah, I think it's interesting. We, we, we kind of touched on the whole support cast uh, impacting quarterback performance and those who rise above that, right? And so – in thinking of supporting casts, we do a whole episode, probably a whole series on how that impacts quarterbacks and all the arguments back and forth that would ensue. But as we talk about supporting casts, I'm looking at your running back choice here in Austin Eckler, and his entire supporting cast is, is, is pretty much injured at this point, right? Uh, I mean, they're starting offensive tackles now, I think, are Storm Norton, who's the worst offensive tackle I've ever seen, and then some guy named Trey Pipkins at right tackle, who I assume has to be worse than that. Um, you know, and then you got Herbert dealing with an injury and the receivers banged up. So, you know, how are things going to look from, you know, an opposing defensive perspective if Eckler is now the weapon that everyone's keying on and maybe that passing attack is not as effective? Did that enter your decision-making at all? Or are you just looking at it saying, hey, Eckler's just that talented. He'll get involved in the passing game more if need be. And he's good enough to where he's going to produce in that format anyway. Just what is your thought sort of behind that pick? Yeah, so it's going against the Texans, 32nd ranked run defense grade, otherwise the worst run defense in the <laughs> NFL. And yeah, I, I, I wonder with this format, I'm still working out what kind of strategy I want to use week in and week out. Of course, this format's interesting because you have your pick of the litter, right? Outside of the top five guys at their ADP, this is sort of like uh, playing uh, DFS for all 22. And so this is really fun because, you know, you have your roster. So I don't get to pick from, like, the full volume of guys. So it was nice to be able to do this sort on PFF.com, worst uh, run defense grade in the NFL. Oh, there are the Houston Texans. Who are they playing? Austin Eckler, who's not been, like, a knockout with the PFF grades this year. But he's ranked 24th. Uh, that's one spot ahead of Jonathan Taylor. So 
I think he's going to be more involved now with Herbert and this rib cartilage injury and um, wide receivers dropping like flies. You got Keenan Allen out. You got Jalen Guyton on IR. You've got Rayshon Slater out for the year. I think they're going to have to rely on Eckler. Now, does that translate? That's one of those things I'm not sure. So part of me just wants to see how it goes this week with uh, the last-ranked Texans run defense in town. I love it. Walking wounded versus the guys who weren't good enough anyway. So we'll see how that how that plays out. And so I guess in looking at your receivers too, uh, T. Higgins, I think that one's interesting because obviously the Bengals kind of struggled right out of the gate to start, but he's kind of been – more of a consistency model for the first few weeks. I actually had the same exact uh, grade for uh, weeks one and two, had a little bit of a bump there against the Jets this past week. So uh, did that go into it at all for this pick, just looking at sort of uh, kind of the steadiness and consistency with his performance? Do you think the Bengals are getting back on track and they're just going to continue to ascend from there? Is it opponent-driven? What, what went into that one? So it's funny. The number one thing I would say is I just wanted a, a player – or two from this Thursday night matchup. It's a really exciting game. <laughs> Bengals, Dolphins, right? This is a Dolphins team that's undefeated, a Bengals team coming off a Super Bowl loss. So there's something nice about kind of getting your beak wet with that Thursday night game. And so that was honestly the first part of it was, oh, they play on Thursday. Let's get a, a T. Higgins share in there. But also, I mean, looking at this Dolphins defense, which I wouldn't, it, it's very surprising when you actually sit down and look and see where some of these teams shake out in terms of different types of defense or run blocking, pass blocking, sorting that out. Surprised to me that the Dolphins were so poor uh, with their pass defense. 29th ranked coverage grade for the Dolphins. I will say, speaking of that Thursday night game, I thought long and hard about Tyreek Hill, but Cincinnati ranked fourth in coverage for PFF. So did the kind of swaparoo went with Higgins, who I think is extremely underrated. I think the Bengals are in a get-right kind of mentality. Uh, the Dolphins, obviously a tough opponent, but boys, have we seen these white uniforms? I think the <laughs> Bengals are going to go out and put up a 40-burger in those unis now. They basically they start with 40 you. points just because of the jerseys themselves. Are so, <laughs> right? so clean. It should yeah. spot you a certain number of points when you look that sick. Josh, you're going deep in the PFF. Get that on have, you, have you always been a PFF guy? Or did that just start this year because of all 22? So this was something that we've tried to incorporate more into our show in recent years, especially since um, we had John on the podcast for the first time, I want to say probably two years ago, and then he's had his podcast in our feed, and we've gotten to be good friends with him. So and we, we've kind of – it's opened our eyes a little bit with him working at PFF to how valuable that can be for IDP, even though there's a little bit of a misconception that, especially in IDP, the worst graded players are some of the most productive. Devin White, for example, grades horribly. I think he's on – he might be on waivers in our league right now, but the guy is far and away the number one linebacker in IDP right now, averaging like 30 points a game. He's been out of his mind. And so the application of, uh, of PFF in the IDP landscape for us has been you have to be careful with guys who are playing poorly, especially in dynasty leagues, because the rug could get pulled out from under you if this player is not that good, but they're putting up for IDP. The team will have no problem coming in and replacing them with a player that they think gives them a higher floor in terms of performance. So that's how we tried to fold PFF grades into our coverage of IDP. And then especially once all 22 came along, it felt like a very natural extension of this burgeoning relationship that we had built with PFF. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think that actually leads perfectly into the tight end position because how often do you see tight ends that maybe grade really well, but you saw nothing from them on Sunday because they're not scoring touchdowns and catching passes and stuff like that. So with that, Chris, you want to take tight end from here? Yeah, Will Disley. That is my that is my day one guy. When he came into the league, he like kind of lit it on fire. You know, people I don't know if people remember, but he was one of those guys that came in. He was kind of like a poor man's Mark Andrews, like catching touchdowns, but also can can be like one of your best linemen on the field. Um, I was a huge fan of him. I had him in a lot of fantasy uh, platforms, so I was excited that you picked him here. And I was curious 
what so far in Disley's performance this year has you revved up? So it's a, it's a number of things. I love the nickname he got from the fantasy footballers, Big Montana. Love Will Disley for that reason alone. But I've mm-hmm. got him on my main All-22 roster, so there was a little bit of uh, endowment bias here with Will Disley that I had to give way to. But I like the matchup. The Lions are 30th-ranked team in terms of coverage. And Disley, what's fun about All-22, and there are many things, but one of the things that really delights me is being able to use players that would not typically be on your uh, fantasy football radar, right? Mm-hmm. Will Disley is not necessarily the name up in lights when you think about tight end. He's not the Travis Kelsey or the Mark Andrews or the Kyle Pitts, but he is PFF's, PFF's fourth-ranked tight end on the season so far. So given the matchup, given the grades thus far, the performance that we've seen, given the nickname and the endowment bias, it was a slam dunk for Will Disley. What can I say? I'm really glad to see it, yeah. I'm, I'm a big supporter of that pick. Yeah, I'm, excited. I, I, I'm excited to see how he performs. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll completely crap the bed and have his worst game. I've, I've rewarded players with spots in my starting lineup thus far, and they've done nothing but take a gigantic steaming dump on the floor uh, the next week. So I'm sure Will Disley will stab me in the back, but uh, I have faith in you, Big Montana. I'm over, I'm over here knocking on wood because with him, it's really he either performs really well or he he doesn't play for other reasons, and I'm not even going to say them, right? So, like, over here knocking on wood, I hope you get a great performance out of him. Me and you both. Bobby, I'll hand tackle to you. I'd love to see a pick that where emotion trumps reason, so that's pretty great. With that, we'll, we'll <laughs> yep. go into offensive line. So your offensive line from the tackles in is Brian O'Neill, Andrew Thomas, Tevin Jenkins, Zach Martin, and Jason Kels. So let me start with Andrew Thomas, okay? Mm-hmm. He is without a doubt – my favorite player to watch. Obviously, like anybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm a huge Giants fan, right? And I feel like when your left tackle is your favorite player to watch, that doesn't say very good things about your offense. <laughs> um, but do you notice yourself focusing on your all 22 offensive lineman when you're watching games? Do you, do you notice yourself focusing on that a little bit more, like especially in primetime games? Like I know Monday night I got one player left and he's a tackle or a guard. You know, I'm not really following the ball so much. I'm kind of watching the guard. You notice yourself doing the same things. Absolutely. And that's another great part about this platform is, and I've been trying to retrain my brain and how I watch football to not watch the ball and to watch certain players. And previously, up until now, offensive line was not a position I was paying attention to because I didn't have any shares of offensive linemen to care about. But now I do. So, in addition to retraining my brain to watch linebackers or safeties or, you know, defensive interior guys, now I get to pay attention to what offensive linemen are doing. And it's it's given me a new appreciation for something that was absolutely an overlooked and kind of underrated aspect of fantasy football. Obviously, we know it matters, right? We talk about offensive line strength for our quarterbacks and our running backs, but now we have a quantifiable way to understand how good these offensive linemen are in a format we love, which is fantasy football. So to answer your question, Bobby, yes, I have really enjoyed watching these offensive linemen because now I have a rooting interest, right? Yeah, we'd love to hear that. That's great. And and for anyone out there that needs a little bit more juice, we're actually starting on our social pages, kind of like a library where we are going to store offensive linemen clips. So if you haven't seen it already, I've been posting like we are big guys just adding it to this kind of chain that's there. Um, There's a few other pages, guys. You remember some of the people we've been tagging? Uh, Brandon Thorne, he's a big one that we go. Yeah. Uh, Duke Manyweather, mm-hmm. those are great. But, yeah, if you, anybody that's listening that sees stuff like that, put them in mm-hmm. that library. We'd love to see offensive line highlights. Those are great. And with that, yeah. I'm going to go sticking with kind of like the Giants game, right? You picked Tevin Jenkins as your guard going up against the Giants for the Bears. And, you know, it – it's not the easiest matchup, right? We have um, we have Dexter Lawrence there, and there's a chance that Leonard Williams ends up playing this game. So there's a chance that he's facing those guys throughout the game. Do they not scare you, um, or is there something else playing into this decision? Yeah, so a Bears offensive lineman scares me. But here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the thing. I think I have a lot of assumptions about certain position groups that – 
like I said, when you start to dig into the PFF grades and see how those units are grading out in certain aspects, there are some surprises, some narratives that we thought like, oh, this Pittsburgh uh, offensive line is going to be the worst in the league. Guys, they're ranked 12th in pass blocking right now, right? So there's always these surprises. And for me, seeing Tevin Jenkins as a top 15 graded guard thus far, that lit up my Christmas tree, especially going against the Giants. Yes, they have some nasty players along that defensive line, so that scares me. But in talking to John Macri, I was trying to distill down, okay, if I'm using these grades to sort of as a proxy for good matchups for offensive linemen, is run defense sort of an okay one to go with in terms of guard play? And he's like, I mean, it certainly can't hurt if you're going against a bad run defense if you've got a guard matchup. So, again, I don't know. All 22 strategy, work in progress. But mm-hmm. that's the theory that I was going off of there, seeing the Giants as the 27th-ranked run defense, seeing Tevin Jenkins as a top 15 guard. Um, it seemed like a good match, and we're rolling it out there. Never thought that would be the case, but here we are. Guys, new rule for the podcast, or for the, this series, rather. Can't talk to John Mackey. Can't get advice from John Mackey. Right? <laughs> he's, off, he's off limits. I got to get that witch involved somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to give you props because similar to the Aaron Rodgers pick, right? You took Zach Martin and Jason Kelsey, you know, dynasty platform. When you're drafting a real team, you're not really targeting those guys specifically, maybe because you're thinking about age, right? But doing it in this format, jump all over them, right? Like there's no reason why you wouldn't want to take these guys. So I wanted to give you some props in, in taking kind of some, some easy ones there. And then kicker, I'll mention it, Tyler Bass. I'm not going to ask you why you made that decision. Uh, maybe we jump right into defense. Yeah, hey, so I'm just yeah, I'm just going with the highest over under fifty two and a half <laughs> in the uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, Ravens game there. So I'm thinking, okay, where am I going to get a lot of opportunities for kicks? Give me that kicker because there's no grades. I was like, wait, where are the grades? PFF. <laughs> so they kind of let me down in a big spot. So I just went with the highest over under. That's actually a really good idea. So people listening out there, take note of that one. <laughs> Uh, before jumping into defense, I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about your approach to defense in All-22 compared to IDP. Like, how does your how does your All-22 defense look compared to your IDP defense? So there's actually a lot more overlap than what I thought. And that's part of the reason that PFF grades have been such um, a crucial component of our show in recent years is because there's far more overlap than there is difference in terms of IDP production to PFF grades. Now, that said, they're obviously still, like we mentioned, the Devin Whites of the world that historically grade really poorly, but put up massive numbers, right? Because they're playmakers. They get sacks and strip sacks and fumble recoveries and everything else. And so the defense actually looks pretty similar to what an IDP squad would look like. You know, there's definitely an opportunity uh, there's a there's a saying in IDP, better for NFL than IDP, right? And so we're mentioning this with Fred Warner. Fred Warner has been struggling this season. If there's one player that we've seen mentioned in terms of should I drop this player that was highly drafted, it's Fred Warner. And yet we know Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. So all that to say, a lot of overlap, uh, but – it's nice to actually not have to put in these putrid players that are just like warm body production and get to rely on the guys that are actually good at defense. This platform in that way helps to bridge that gap where it's like, oh, don't I just pick the best defensive players for my IDP squad? No, not really. Sometimes you pick the really bad players that are just in good opportunities playing 100% of snaps. So more than I thought, but there's still some key differences here. And I'm glad to get to start guys that actually perform well on the field and perform well for your fantasy team. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think I remember seeing Tay Crowder listed as like an IDP stud like last year. And He's a stud. I, and I watch him every week and I'm like, this guy's not a stud. He's far not from a stud. It. Warm uh, body production. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. There are those kind of discrepancies, but... By and large, the good players, Alex Anzalone is another one that comes to mind, right? This dude is 
is historically garbage. Uh, I think John Macri famously said once, I hope he's good at something else because he's not good at football. <laughs> um, so there are discrepancies, yes, but by and large, um, yeah, you're going to be starting a lot of the same guys in all 22 and in IDP. The linebacker position is probably where it differs the most. So I also know that the corner cornerback position is pretty different too in IDP than it is here, right? You want cornerbacks right. to get targeted a lot. So that way they're, they're, they have the ability to make tackles, make plays, right? Now you went with a nickel formation in our game, which obviously puts three cornerbacks on the field. So can you explain a little bit about your rationale behind going with a, uh, a nickel defense here? Again, not necessarily the most well thought out logical approach, but Cornerback is a streamable position in IDP. That's typically how I play it. There are certain set it and forget it cornerbacks. My co-host, Adam, got Kenny Moore and Legereus Sneed. He never took those guys out of his IDP lineup last year. And that's definitely one way to play it. But for the most part, the way I have always handled it, I am starting different guys every single week at cornerback. And a lot of times, it's just whatever team is playing a high vo- a high volume passing offense, and whichever cornerbacks are getting a hundred percent of snaps. And again, those cornerbacks may be getting roasted. So for me, I wanted to actually indulge myself in a format that rewards excellent cornerback play. So that's the reason why I wanted to celebrate the fact that this platform helps correct one of the big deficiencies of IDP, which is that a position that is so crucial for NFL team success is probably the biggest afterthought for your IDP roster. Some leagues don't even have cornerback, and if they've got it, they're looking to stream the position every single week. So I'm going to lean into it if a platform gives me an opportunity to play some guys that are actually good. Love it. All right, so let's let's jump into the defensive uh, lineup you have here, right? So starting with the defensive interior players, so you have – Quinnen Williams and Michael Pierce. And I actually want to pause right there because uh, we kind of talked about your savvy here and sort of taking advantage of the guys that grade really well, but they might be, you know, a little bit older. And so they aren't targeted very highly in startup drafts. So they, you know, they're not top five in ADP. And I think one of those guys that people don't think about is Michael Pierce. So uh, just tell me what went into that one, right? I think, I think that's a real solid player and someone I've sort of beat the drum for as being very underrated um, thus far. So w- what went into that and what's your take there on Michael Pierce overall? Yeah, even though it's a tough, um, you know, the Bills are a tough team. Josh Allen is like a, trying to tackle a porter potty, right? Like this is not a dude that goes <laughs> down easy. Uh, it is the 24 ranked, 24th ranked pass blocking grade, the Bills are. So I think it's a pretty nice matchup for Pierce. And I think that Bill's offensive line is a little compromised. The Dolphins got after them uh, in that game uh, this past Sunday. And so looking at Michael Pierce, it's unfortunate because I listen to a lot of NFL podcasts and a lot of very smart people talk about how impactful and how good of a player Michael Pierce is, but he's unheralded because he plays this position that doesn't get a lot of love. It's kind of the you know, offensive line equivalent there on the interior of the defensive line. No respect, as Ronnie Dangerfield would say. And so finally to be able to grab Michael Pierce and plug him into a lineup and feel good about it, that's not something you can do in IDP. It's something you can do in all 22. He is the fifth-ranked defensive interior player by PFF going against a Bills offensive line that's a little bit compromised, even against Josh Allen, Ray, it was an easy choice. I'm going Michael Pierce all day. Let's let's figure out where Michael Pierce lives. Send him a T-shirt. Show him some love, you know? Get that's him, right. Get him some all-22 swag. <laughs> get him some all-22 swag, y'all. Yeah, we're not all just fabric. about offensive linemen. Those D-linemen need love, too, you know? That's right. That's right. Especially Michael Pierce. <laughs> um, moving into edge rusher. So you mentioned Michael Pierce's matchup, right? Now, Jerry Hughes, his matchup is the Rashawn Slater-less L.A. Chargers this week, right? Um, for a 34-year-old, his season grade of an 84.5 is pretty damn good. Um, now, last week he went up against the Bears, who you mentioned had a pretty scary, like, scary bad offensive line, um, put up a 52.5 grade there, and so not quite as good. How much do you take into account, especially as a new player, uh, new to this platform, Josh, 
how much do you take into account like last week's grade versus the season grade? Like, or, or is it strictly just a, a matchup game that you're playing each week? So in this format, this kind of versus format, where, like I said, it's DFS, I'm looking at matchup, right? I mean, you'll see here my two edge picks in Jerry Hughes and Alex Highsmith are going against the 32nd-ranked pass-blocking grade in the Chargers. Now compromise, like you said, maybe the worst tackle combo in the league. And then the Jets, the 31st-ranked pass-blocking grade uh, with Alex Highsmith. So in this format in particular, I was very much looking at matchups and especially then cross-checking that against are they playing a team with highly graded players who can take advantage of that deficiency, right? Like I don't want to if, – if the Chargers were playing against a team – who had, you know, zero edge rush, the Cardinals or whatever, then that's not necessarily a matchup that I'm going to take advantage of, even if they are supremely poor at pass blocking, right? And so for me, that was the factor for this particular format. But in all 22 thus far, again, strategy under construction, it has been, okay, who played well last week? But I'm starting to kind of, like I said, pick up on the nuances of what constitutes a good matchup. Um, but, yeah, man, the kind of guards guardrails thus far for me have been how they play last week. Okay, get them in the lineup. Maybe they'll play well. And I'm 0-3, so it's not working, I don't think. <laughs> That's all right. You're, you're not alone. I'm, I'm, I think we're all kind of like noobs to this game because it's only been, you know, three years. We've been playing in an Excel sheet now for five years for us. So it's been, uh, yeah. You're not alone, um, but really like the Jerry Hughes pick. Really like the Alex Alex Highsmith pick. So you got a really good tandem of of edge rushers right there. And I will say this is kind of a note here. If you're on the fence about Alex Highsmith, Zach Wilson should be under center for this game. And if Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts, I think Zach Wilson may be seeing a full blown haunted house uh, coming back from the injury. Uh, I thought he was done for the season, so now he's going to be back. I mean, there's Jets fans saying, should we just keep Flacco out there if that tells you anything about Zach Wilson as an NFL quarterback prospect? So I think Highsmith, who's a good player in his own right, is going to absolutely tee off on Zach Wilson. That's got to be a quote graphic somewhere, guys. We got to – (laughs) Yeah. That was pretty good. That was pretty (laughs) good. We'll get to work on that. (laughs) That one's free. (laughs) Awesome. So going to linebackers, a position that's constantly under attack in today's NFL, you have TJ Edwards and Levante David. So Levante David, we kind of talked about Devin White, and Levante David's kind of the, the opposite there, very sound, that who, you know, is in the right place at the right time, you know, more often than not. Any concerns at all going against the Chiefs and, you know, an Andy Reid offense and, and Mahomes and, and that matchup there? Yes, because I – started Drew Tranquil, and you guys uh, gave me grief for it on Twitter. Oh, Drew Tranquil played great in week one. Let's get this guy in the lineup. Here we go. Against the Chiefs, puts up about a 40 overall grade and completely craps my team. So, yes, the Chiefs matchup does terrify me. But where I have confidence in Levante David that I do not have in Drew Tranquil is that Levante David has historically been one of the best linebackers in the NFL for a very long time. He still is. He is the sixth-ranked linebacker by PFF. So this is more of a hat tip to a legend than anything, even though, obviously, the Chiefs and Andy Reid, that scares the hell out of me. I like that he put that back on us. I like that. Good answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. Playing with fire again. (laughs) Yeah, I had to do it. I mean, I, I kind of tried to balance it out a little bit with the TJ Edwards pick, who, uh, you know, was surprisingly sitting at PFF's number three linebacker on the season. So this is where I think uh, I appreciated some of the, not loopholes, but the way you could sort of work around the con- constraint of the top five ADP is that the ADP, man, it is um, – it's a little bit of a crapshoot crap with certain positions. I mentioned linebacker is really all over the board. I, I, I think it's really hard to understand what makes for a good NFL linebacker, especially coming from IDP brain. I did not think TJ Edwards would be number three, was very surprised when he was. 
and going against the Jags, who have been very good. I think they have to be considered the favorites in the NFC South or the AFC South. But, um, I mean, if you got – smoke them while you got them, right? If TJ Edwards has been performing thus far, the Jaguars are not a matchup that really scares me like the Chiefs does. So let's trot them out there and see what happens. Yeah, he he has been playing incredibly well, and you know it's kind of it's kind of nice to stay clean behind that defensive line that they have now as well, right? You have Jordan Davis, three hundred and what is it, sixty pounds or whatever he is, just taking on blocks, right? It keeps keeps linebackers clean. So definitely like that pick. I think what he's doing there has been incredible. Um, and I'll move to corner now. So Jamel Dean, J.C. Horn, and Jalen Johnson. Talk about J.C. Horn first. So. You know, last year, had to love what you saw, but it was such a short-lived experience. This year, kind of picked up, doing pretty well, you know, but each week we've seen him consistently improve that PFF grade. So are you banking on him just improving on that, or is there something that you saw that really kind of ignited this this pick for you? Well, it was the crushing disappointment of losing him last season, right, especially with this highly drafted player, uh, coming back now, I always like paying attention to these guys that are a little bit overlooked and forgotten because of injury. Mm-hmm. And so with J.C. Horn, I was pleasantly surprised to see that he was the fourth-ranked cornerback by PFF on the season going against a Cardinals passing offense. Look, Kyler scares me with what he can do with his legs. Does this passing attack scare you with A.J. Green and you know Hollywood Brown in the DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. role? No, not really. So ascending player, forgotten player that now I can recognize what he's doing on the football field through this platform in a matchup that does not scare me, like say, for example, the Chiefs do. I was all about J.C. Horn this week. And it is a great pick. You're just going to gloss over Andy Isabella like that? My God. Is he still on the team? I thought yeah, they like tried, to, tried him out at tight end and then ended up cutting him. That's amazing. He's finally getting, getting that paycheck. Yeah, he's finally getting snaps now too, but it doesn't look good. That You just made the argument for me, I think, that J.C. Horn's an even better pick. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Before we leave corner, I want to touch on the Jalen Johnson pick because he did not actually play last week. I think there might be injury concerns rolling into this week. So I think we should give you the opportunity to change that. But before we do, we're going to call out that our loss to John Macri was a tough one for this exact reason. We had two guys that didn't meet the snap count minimum. Guys, are we ever going to work in like a like an auto sub feature into this, or are we just what, what's happening here, Bobby? You made this these rules, so what what happened? I say we just play with the fire, guys. Let's just see what happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, but I will say that if, round with no insurance. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, but if either of those two players graded like a 40, you know, we'd probably at least tie with John. But it's all right. It's all right. He can have the win. We'll give it to him. He's, a, he's our guest. He'll be nice. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, if you guys don't think John Macri had a little voodoo doll at home of those two guys that y'all lost, like poking needles into their knees and backs and necks and everything else, you don't know John Macri. The dude's a witch. <laughs> so am I surprised that y'all lost two players that didn't get to be auto-subbed? No. In fact... I would have been surprised if this wasn't the outcome. However, I am grateful that you all will let me sub Jalen Johnson out, um, you know, and um, hopefully the injury bug will stay away from all of us this weekend. I think John must be doing into that. Yeah. I think, I think you had like the voodoo dolls out. He, he saw the PFF grades come through first and he knew exactly which voodoo dolls to mess with to make sure we didn't get them. All right. Moving <laughs> right, on to say- Moving on to safety. Yeah. All right, so, Josh, your safeties are Cameron Curl and Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew, actually, John had Tyron Matthew in his lineup last week, too. Um, he's actually had worse grades each week from the start of the season to, to now, right? Um, he posted grades of 79, 70, and 57 in the first three weeks of the season. He now faces Kirk Cousins in week four, right? But it's Kirk Cousins in prime time. So you like everybody else and you're betting against Kirk Cousins in primetime because that's a genius pick if that's what you're doing. Yeah, you're printing money if you're betting against Kirk Cousins in primetime. So give me all of that. Again, this is um, a player that is hit or miss for IDP, but maybe he's hit or miss for all 22 as well. But when I saw his name on there, safety was by far the hardest position trying to figure out. And so I went with Cameron Curl because – 
it was so nice having him back in our IDP lineups this weekend. Had the injury the first two weeks, was out, steps right back into the role that we hoped he was going to have. So when I saw him there against the Cowboys and Cooper Rush and their 27th ranked passing offense, now this I think was uh, this is, this includes the Monday Night Football game. So I, when I saw Curl there, I just thought I'm going to give the guy some love. I was missing him from the IDP lineups these first two weeks. Let's get him in there. And then you just got to respect the legend, man. I don't know how you can watch football and not love the Honey Badger. So, yes, do the Vikings, in theory, scare me because that's a high-volume passing offense? Yes, but the great equalizer, as you mentioned, Kirk Cousins, under the bright lights, I think the uh, Saints defense is going to feast. I love all the emotional picks. That's great. A lot of going to gut. I appreciate that. <laughs> Here's Josh. the thing. Here's the thing. We try to bring this up on our show a lot in that we believe you should have fun playing fantasy football, right? If you're sweating blood every week with your fantasy lineups, you're doing it wrong. It shouldn't just be a labor of love putting in guys that you hate to watch or that you're not excited about. Kind of plant your flags. Go out on a limb. Grab guys that you enjoy watching because at the end of the day, this should be additive in terms of the fun that it brings to your life. It's going to take some fun away. That's the beauty of fantasy football. It giveth and it taketh away. But I've always advocated for those little edges where you can add more fun, inject enjoyment into your fantasy football experience. Take it. Life is too short. Life is too short, boys. I love that, Josh. I mean, That's why we made at, this game at zero and three now? <laughs> That's though, right. At zero and three now, though, going with that strategy, does that change if you're zero and four? Will you go with the guys no. that you hate? <laughs> we're we're gonna have even more fun, Bobby. Yes. We're gonna grab even more illogical, emotional picks That's and just great. ride straight into the volcano, baby. Tanking is so liberating; it's amazing. Just, just let it go. Just be free. Just be free to be me. That's and in awesome. Dynasty, earn that number one draft pick, right? Earn that there number one pick. Like how bad That's can right. it get? You know. That's mm-hmm. great. It can get bad, and it's going to get bad. <laughs> before before um, we let you go, Trenton Gill is your punter here. I wanted to know, did you have – you had a pretty good answer for the kicker uh, pick that you made. What influenced your punter pick, if anything? Worst offense. Bears offense is the worst, according to PFF right now. So in the same way that I said, give me the game that's going to have a lot of points and a lot of kicks – Give me the offense that hopefully should be punting a lot in that game. Now, will it work out? Is he a good punter? I don't know. But if I'm using some sort of rule of thumb to get a punter in my lineup, that's what I went with. And we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully he doesn't kick anybody in the uh, in the ass this week. Like, <laughs> I was like, going to uh, say. Like the, uh, can, the Dolphins kicker did. Can you all imagine for a second, like that dude was down in like, you know, sort of like protection mode. Just imagine taking a football to that area of your body at that speed. I think I'd be in the hospital for like three months. I don't know how these NFL players do it. Didn't even flinch. It was amazing. I don't don't even know if he knew he got hit by the ball. That guy must (laughs) squat 600 pounds. And it's like, I I know adrenaline is going, but good Lord, man, you just got kicked right in the rectum by an NFL punter. You should be dead. If you play John nope. Macker every week, you're kind of used to it. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's pretty shocking. Dude's been kicking my ass in our main league for like two years now. So this is nothing new for me. If it was a little lower, he wouldn't have gotten up. No, 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 no. It would have been lights out for my, for my dude. Talk about a cup check. <laughs> yeah. Josh, I feel like that's a really good good way to uh, wrap things up. We kept you way longer than we you know we wanted to, or not that we wanted to, but that we asked you to actually stay on. So, guys, thank you. My, my podcast is like ninety minutes to two hours every week. So this is a light walk in the park doing forty five <laughs> with y'all. And I could have done another forty five, but I appreciate you guys having me on, man. We're, we're going to take you up on that another time for sure because we're going to want you back on here uh, later on in the season, but. We really appreciate it. We we said it to John last week, but we'll say it to you again. You know, your support and the IDP guys' support has been tremendous. Uh, couldn't couldn't ask for a better group of guys to help support us and help uh, share this with, you know, basically anybody that's willing to listen. Right. I mean, here's the thing, guys. We're out here in the IDP community chasing a dream. A lot of us are putting out content. You know, some of us, it's our job. But we want to support folks who are really – 
trying something different, something new, something cutting edge. And you guys are doing that, man. Like I said, in my 20 years of playing fantasy football, there have been wrinkles and variations of the same game, but nothing that has come along and totally redefined how I approach fantasy football. And so even though there's a fear and kind of this cognitive bias of like, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to look like an idiot. That for me has been the thrill of this platform is learning something totally new. And you guys have been incredible in how you've supported us in the IDP community. And you've also put out a fantastic product. I said to you all before, we're not going to recommend something to our listeners and talk up something that's trash. But you get on the website, you plug in, you can see the love that you all have for what you have built. And so, I mean, it's been awesome just to get behind you guys and provide whatever wind in your sails that we can. And let's ride this thing the freaking moon, boys. Like, we are behind y'all 100%. Can't wait to see what's around the bend for all 22. Appreciate, appreciate that a lot, Josh. It's awesome. Great to hear. Absolutely. Likewise. And again, thanks so much for stopping in. Absolutely. Let's do it again soon, fellas. Cool. Good luck this week. Bad luck to y'all. I need y'all to make me look good. Like, just pick a bad team. I need a W. Please. How much do I have to pay y'all? After a loss to John, I'm going to be staying up all night. I'm not going to sleep. I'm, I'm scouting. I'm, yeah. I'm going to get, get, I'm going to get beat by 20. I have a price. I'll, I'll, I'll DM you. All right, right. We'll talk. We'll talk off air. All right. Thanks again for t- t- tuning in. Let's go.